Good morning. Good morning. Uh, as a way of introduction this morning, I'd like to go to the 21st chapter of Matthew. That's why it was interesting. The the passage in Scripture he was he was referencing is actually that, that's kind of the passage that I had on my mind this morning. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I I saw over the weekend this uh, this picture somebody shared on Facebook. And it was of all the, you know, the times the Bible kind of cross-references itself. You know, it refers to different passages in the Bible. And I thought that was just really interesting to look at and kind of visualize that. And uh, there were a lot in the book of Matthew and in the Gospels uh, from Jesus Christ. And he referenced referenced back to Scripture uh, constantly in in different lessons. And uh, I always love the times when he does it uh, to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees. And uh, there's always uh, there's always a meaning behind it, and uh, that's why I love uh, one of my favorite sermons I've heard from Kevin was on John three sixteen and the fiery serpents, where he talked about where Christ referenced back to a passage of scripture, and he did that for a reason that there was a, a lesson behind that. And uh, in the twenty first chapter of Matthew is the passage where uh, Christ is uh, riding into Jerusalem, fulfilling a prophecy. By riding in on uh, the ass of a colt, and um, as he's riding in, there are multitudes. Uh, in verse nine, it says, "Went before him that cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest!" And uh, whenever he came, the <coughs> the the, sad, the chief priests and the scribes they were they were uh, they, they were not happy to see that. They weren't happy at all. I think it was a I think it, there was some jealousy there that they that you know who is this man that he's receiving all this praise that's riding into Jerusalem, and uh, but before that he he uh, he tells them what Brother Kevin referenced earlier, uh, his house you know is called the house of prayer, but she have made a den of thieves, and he turns the tables and overthrows the money changers, but uh, I, I'd like to go mainly to verse 16, where. Uh, well, I'll read verse 15 first. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And uh, Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise? Well, he's... He's referencing a verse of scripture there. He's referencing uh, the eight, Psalm eight, uh, verse two, and uh, like uh, Brother Kevin has said before, when when Christ referenced scripture, it's important to go back and right. read what that scripture says. And uh, I think Christ <laughs> worded it the way he did for a reason. And uh, so the eighth chapter of Psalms is a really a psalm of, of praise like we, he's praising God in this psalm and in the second verse it says out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength so it, he, he words it uh, differently in Matthew he says thou hast uh, perfected praise well I, I do believe that, that when Christ does something like that he does it for a reason I don't believe he was misquoting that scripture I think he he said the way that he said it for a reason. Now, I've heard some people say that, well, that's just ordained strength is another way of saying perfecting praise. And I do believe, I, I, I agree with that. But uh, I, whenever I actually started to dig in and look at what those what those words actually mean, 
in <clears throat> in Psalms, ordained strength means uh, means founded or established. So uh, there he's saying he uh, founded strength, and strength also means praise. The Hebrew word for strength and also mean praise. So there he's he's saying that he he founded and established strength. And uh, I, I would love to see the, the Pharisees' face whenever they go back and read that psalm because in, also in Psalms he tells us why that he found his strength because of thine enemy. That thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger shall quiet the enemy. And uh, I would just love to see their faces when they read that <laughs> to see that he was calling them his enemies. And that's why they were praising God. It was to silence them. And... Uh, so he's saying how he he ordained praise, and I believe he also is saying that he, through praise that we're strengthened, and that's why that he established praise uh, through the mouths of babes and sucklings. Now you think of uh, of a baby. That's not a very that's not a very strong individual. That's that's very that's very weak. He he didn't establish it through you know mighty men or these grown. You know he worded it as. We are babes and sucklings. We're, we are weak vessels. And uh, he has given us uh, a strength whenever we have our enemies to silence them. And I believe that he's saying that there is strength in praise. That's right. Whenever we praise God, I think that's why that whole eighth chapter of Psalm, if you read through that, he's, he's praising God. Amen. And uh, through that, he is strengthened. And uh, I think the, that uh, Christ worded it in Matthew as perfected praise, because uh, that word perfected means to restore. So he's 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 come back to Jerusalem and he's restored praise to these people, and uh, restored praise to us. And I think whenever they went back and read, they would see why he restored strength to silence their enemies, to <laughs> and to I believe to comfort them. Um, so I think there's a, a great lesson in that, not just for the, the Pharisees, this, you know, kind of a, a comeback at them. But I think there's a great lesson for that in us, that whenever we face, you know, our enemies, and enemies can come in, you know, several different forms. Uh, you know, there aren't just giants walking around out there like Goliath, but uh, we have enemies in several different forms. It doesn't even have to be a person. Uh, Paul talks about that we battle... Uh, we battle spiritual things, so battles of the mind. Mm-hmm. You think of all the really enemies in your mind that you battle on a constant basis. You know, sometimes there there are thoughts that go through your head that you just you, you just you, you want to silence and wish you could put them away. Right. And I think uh, a great way that Christ is telling us to do that to renew our strength is just through what He said through praise. Uh, so I think that there is. There's great strength in praise. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul talks about that... Well, I'll just have to go there. I think it's 2 Corinthians uh, 12. Where Christ talks about that how he had a great... <laughs> he had a, a, a great uh, a problem that he had. I think he's talking about his, a struggle that he had with pride. And uh, he's, in the 8th verse, he said, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, so if you, yeah, I, I believe what I take from that is that you know, a lot of times when we're, we're struggling with things, it's, it's very easy for us to, you know, kind of really worry. And I think there he's saying that Christ uh, can re- re- restore us from our strength. And it's a way of us seeking Christ whenever we're brought down low. And I, I, and I believe that, you know, if you, if you ever feel like that, if you ever have uh, struggles or issues and you're worried about, you know, how, you know how, can I, how can I come back from this? I think Christ has given us the answer right here. When he, he founded the strength, and then he's also said how he has restored it. So I, I, and, and praise can come in you know, several different forms. That, that word Hosanna, it just means adoration. Uh, and you can, you can adore Christ uh, not just in singing. You know, sometimes when you think of praise, you think of just, just singing. So if you know, you're made weak, I, I just need to sing, but... Uh, there are several different ways of praise that we could we could name off and go through. There's 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 reading your Bible. There's prayer. Mm-hmm. There's a singing. There's fellowship coming together as a church. Right. And all of those, I think, are not just to praise and glorify God, but Christ has given us those things and established them uh, for our strength to silence our enemies. Amen. Thank you. sense to me. I was I enjoyed it immensely. I think I remember, uh, now of course I wasn't here, uh, didn't Brother Doyle Hurst preach on praise and uh, said it's hard to complain when you're always praising. You know, and there, there's a lot of truth in that. If, uh, if, if you're praising God, uh, it's hard to complain about your lot, uh, even though we, we tend to want to do that. <clears throat> and uh, But, you know, First of all, God's worthy of praise. Uh, you know, the object that, that, that is under consideration has to be worthy of praise. And, th- there, and there is only one object worthy of praise. And that is, that is our God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Um, and and uh, sometimes he perfects it out of us, does he not? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a, it's really amazing how God can accept the praises of worms of the dust, and yet he does. And, and that is all done through the Savior, Jesus Christ. That is how uh, vital our Lord is. Uh, and, and to what esteem we should hold him and, and not, you know, uh, not forget how, uh, how he is worthy of our praise. Um. The uh, thoughts on my mind this morning are, are have been creeping in of late, and, and, and certainly I've been trying to uh, <clears throat> to, to settle the matter. Uh, I, I try not to preach unless I feel the uh, not only the impression by God to do something, and, and but also to make sure it's clear in my mind. You know, my uh, the the ministry is a is a strange thing. Um, and when I say it's strange, I mean, uh, you know, to, the word minister is, a, is, is to serve. It means a servant. So when, uh, when you read in the Bible, somebody like, like Peter's mother, after Christ healed her of her fever, 
says she got up and ministered unto him. She got up and served the Lord. So when you know when Christ does something for us, when he heals us, the the, the thing to do is to get up and serve the Lord. Uh, and, and to minister to him is to is to serve. To uh, to minister as a as a preacher um, is to serve you. Uh, and and, uh, and and certainly, first of all, it is to glorify God. I mean, that's uh, God. God's uh, He is a God of glory, and uh, and He'll not share it with anybody else. Now, what I what I would like to try to talk about this morning is is the is the ministry itself, um, but not just that, but also the the doctrine of the ministry, where that proceeds from, um, and the and the and the preacher's obligation to it, and and not just you know not just the uh, the parts that are that are you know for our uh, understanding what Christ has done for us, because there are there, the the doctrine of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ does not stop. About sovereign grace doesn't end there. Uh, this doctrine is a is a is a complete one. So, as a catalyst, as a beginning place, uh, in the 19th Psalm, David says the doctrine of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Not only does it identify whose doctrine it is. Now, it'll, in the Bible, it's going to say the law. The law of the Lord is perfect. But that word is interchangeable for the doctrine, for doctrine. <clears throat> but that the doctrine of the Lord is perfect. And so a, a, a minister of the gospel has no right to alter with perfection. I don't have the right to alter with it. Um, nor, nor does anybody else have the right to alter with perfection. Um, it is God's doctrine. It is perfect. And the intent of the doctrine, and, and a doctrine, it literally means to teach. So the, the ministry is a teaching ministry. That's how God designed it. God, God designed his whole, whole Bible as a teaching Bible. Uh, you know, we, we, we quote scriptures, and we quote them quite often, you know, that, the, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is pro- profitable for doctrine. But it's also profitable for reproof. It, the, the Bible has reproved me on numerous occasions. It's, a, it's also profitable for correction. It's corrected me. And so sometimes it alters my thinking from what I think ought to be back to what God commands to be. It's also profitable for instructions in righteousness. And at the end of this all, God says, and this is God speaking through the, uh, through the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, because remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Uh, it's that the man of God, not just any man, but that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, because God has ordained that you and I walk in those good works, that we live in them, that we perform them, that we bear the fruit that God commands us to bear. So, so first of all, I want, I want you to, 
you know, this is going to be odd to you to think that I am your gift. <laughs> I, I am a, if I am called to preach the gospel, and, and uh, you know, I've been doing this for, oh my goodness, uh, 20 years in November, I will be an ordained minister for 20 years. On November the 2nd, 2022, will be my 20th year. And I, and I was introduced in services and liberated a few years before that. So, so I'm, you know, I'm pushing 25 years at this. Um, and, uh, and to say that I am, I am your gift is, is, is really not what I want to, to say in, the sen- in that sense that, as to exalt me. But the ministry is your gift. It is, it is the church's gift that Christ gave you. So if, if it's me this year and somebody else next year, remember that it is Christ's gift to you. In the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, in the eighth verse, he says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, talking about Jesus Christ, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he first descended first in the lower parts of this earth? So the same one that ascended, Paul said, first came down here. He descended to the lower parts, which is in the womb of a sinner. That's where Christ was conceived by the Holy Ghost and by the Virgin Mary. The Holy Ghost enveloped. The Son of God was conceived in the lowest part of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. One of the things that Christ fulfilled is the is establishing the church and the ministry for it. All things were made by him and for him. This, this that we do today, it was made by Christ and for Christ. The place that I am standing right now, the ministry is made for Christ. He gave some apostles and, pro- and some prophets, and, and, and those things ended with those people. Some are evangelists, and we, we could have those in the old Baptist today. Some pastors and teachers. Remember Paul telling Timothy, it's that the man of God be perfect, thoroughly furnished, uh, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Now, the, the, the very core of this is for the perfecting of the saints. Notice he does not say it is for making saints but it is for their perfection. It is for their completion. That is, a, a, they, that they grow. And when a, and a minister, you know, it, it's a, it's, he, he kind of has a, a, a gauge as to whether or not his success is there. Is, is the church growing? Are they, are they becoming, and, 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 you know, be nice to grow in numbers. I mean, I would love that. I'd love that, that, that the house was full here this morning. But, uh, but also, are the ones who are members of the church, are they becoming greater and better servants of their God? Do they mimic Jesus Christ more? Do they represent the Son of God more? And become, are they growing to a fuller stature? You know, and, and um, that, is, that is the work of the ministry. Part of it. It's part of the work. So Paul says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, all of us, 
come in unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. Do you think you can reach perfection in this life? Now, in this sense, you can't. Or Paul would not have, God would not have instructed Paul to put this in here if this was impossible. Now, this, this word perfect doesn't mean without sin. That's not, you know, we, we have, we have, uh, we're wise enough to know. Uh, nor, nor is it the perfection Christ makes us. You know, uh, by one offering he hath perfected forever them that were set apart or sanctified by God. This perfecting, though, is a work in progress. And it's, it, it, it has a beginning. It begins when you're born again. It can't begin before that. But when you are born from above, then this beginning of your perfection takes place. And the ministry is, the, is what God gives for it. So that we, uh, <clears throat> that we all come in unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we, are, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and they wait to deceive. So, so uh, deception is an enemy to the church. Deception is, a, uh, is an enemy to me, and it's an enemy to you. Now, remember, God's doctrine is perfect. And it is for the perfect purpose of converting the soul. Now, you know, there was an argument in the in the church of Corinth about preachers. You know, we, we tend to have favorite preachers, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I, you know, I uh, when I say I'm not, there there are some preachers that that really uh, when when they when they preach, I seem to get more out of it. And there's other preachers that others say that when they preach, they seem to get more out of them. But remember, we are not in competition with one another. The, the ministry is not a competitive field. And in the church of Corinth, there is a horrible, horrible thing going on, and that was preacher favoritism. Some were saying, I love the Apostle Paul. He's my man. Others were saying, I love the Apostle Peter. He's my man. Others were, others were saying, I love Apollos. He's my man. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I like him. I'd rather hear him. I'd rather hear him. You know, and so there was contention in the church about who likes who is the preacher. And, and God's children can get caught up in such things like that, that there was a division in the church. And the Apostle Paul put, put that to a screeching end. And what he said was, who is Paul and who is Apollos or who is Peter but ministers by whom he believed? And that's it. He says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but it is God that gives the increase so that we are nothing, Paul says. And I want you to, and I, I do feel to be nothing. 
And I, I mean that. I, I don't think uh, that, that I am of, of any special great gift. But if I have a gift of God, if there's something that has been given me, which apparently you have at least thought you have seen. I mean, you've been putting it with me for 20 years. Uh, you know, and, and uh, so there must be something there uh, that you see. And I do feel, you know, like I'm called of God. Uh, but remember that my theme has to be God's doctrine. And I have to speak of it. I have to speak on it. And I, and I can't... Uh, as, as a minister, I have to, for your sake and for the glory of God's sake, stay in the confines of that perfect doctrine. I don't want you, nor do I want myself, carried about with winds of doctrine. You say, well, Brother Kevin, I'll, I'll never believe anything but free grace. I hope that is true. But again, the doctrine doesn't stop there. The doctrine does not, it does, it does not merely stop about how Christ saves us and why Christ saves us. It goes on unto perfection. That is, it is for our perfection in all things, that we are completely full. So, uh, in the, uh, so that you understand that, that, that Paul said to that Corinthian church, Paul, Apollos, myself, and Peter... We are all yours. We're yours. Oh, in the third chapter of the book of Jeremiah, God says, I will give them pastors according to my own heart. They shall feed them with knowledge and understanding. Notice it is from the heart of God that the ministry is given. And that ministry must preach the heart of God. I have no other doctrine that I should even be concerned with than that which comes from the heart of God, which is found in His Word. That's why I do not enjoy, nor do I would ever encourage anybody to get any version of the Bible other than the King James. Do not, and I would encourage you, uh, with, with all the vigor I have, do not read any other version of the Bible than a direct translation from the Greek and Hebrew into a language called English that we can understand. That is the King James Version of the Bible, the 1611 King James Version. Everything else, discard it. Discard it. <clears throat> because men, we're going to find out will not endure sound doctrine. If, if, if there's something that God speaks in the, in the Word of God, and remember, this has a foundation. What, what, what every old Baptist minister that you've ever heard preach has preached to you has a foundation. If it is true, it has a foundation. And, and so the, uh, the foundation comes from the very Godhead Himself. So we find God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit speaking the same things. And if I speak something different, you ought to know it. You should have such a knowledge of how God speaks, and Christ spake, and the Spirit of God speaks, 
that you would have a red flag to come up in you just like that if I was to say something contrary to the doctrine of our God. Now, so let's go back to the 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. All right, 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to, to, to see how the... How the, the three in one God do not disagree. There is no conflict between their words. They, they are the eternal God. They're in, in, you know, in the, 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 the Apostle John says there are three that bear uh, record in heaven. The, the Father, the Word, which is Christ, and the Holy Ghost. And three, these three are one. All right, so... So God is telling uh, Moses in the 18th chapter, we'll start with the 15th verse. For the Lord thy God will raise up thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. This is what Moses, Moses is talking. Unto him ye shall hearken. All right. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, this is Moses, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. So, so what Moses is saying is there, is there is a better way that God communicates than that fiery mount. There's a way God's going to communicate to us that, that, that excels us standing around the fiery mount of God if we were there and seeing the thunders and the lightnings. And so great was that voice that Moses said himself, I exceedingly fear and quake. Y'all, we don't understand what fear is. We've never been exposed to that kind of fear. But it was a great one indeed. And God's saying, I've got something better. And it, it, is, it is a man I am going to raise up. All right? I will, I will raise them up, a prophet, from among their brethren, like unto thee. And I will put my words in his mouth. Everything that Christ says, that Christ said on this earth, came from the Father. He shall speak unto them all that I command him. And, and Jesus Christ did not hold back a word, did he not? It shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken, hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of that individual. So that who does not listen to the commandments of Christ, who does not follow the commandments of Christ, God's saying when he's on this earth, and I, and I put my words in him, he speaks these words to you, the individuals that do not listen to him and, 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 and follow his commandments, I'm going to require to that individual. Something's going, something bad, you know, that God's going to require of, of me or you or any of us that, that, have, that are exposed to the gospel of Christ. You say, well, that don't sound fair. That, but that is sound doctrine, y'all. That is a sound doctrine as I, as I know to say because this comes straight from God. This is the words of God's mouth that concerning the Son, Jesus Christ, and His commandments, that we are to listen to Him. Not, and not just the, the words that, like, again, that save us eternally, 
We are to listen to Him and be obedient to Him to the words of our discipleship, of our service, of our love to one another, of our praying, as Brother Carlos, he and I were talking about, and forgiving one another. There are so many words of Christ that are to make us greater disciples and bring us up and make us more like Him. That's what that word, that, that language means, that we are brought to the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. That, that you, can, you reach a certain level as a disciple that everybody that sees you, knows you, has no doubt where your allegiance lies, where your loyalty is. You know, the, uh, it was a derogatory thing to be called a Christian in the Bible. They did not call themselves that. You know, we, we misuse that today so much. You know, it's like tooting your own horn. You should never toot your own horn, but somebody should be able to toot it for you. That's, that's about a simple way of putting it. All right? That's a modern way of saying <clears throat> that when people look at you and me and anybody that professes to be a child of God, anybody that professes that God has worked a work in them, that, that, you know, that he that began a good work. And it is a good work. Salvation is a good work that God begins in every child of grace, all of his elect. He that began a good work in you shall perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. But that good work, remember, that God works in you is for his own glory. It is for the praises of our God. So in Isaiah chapter 53, he said, I will form them or create them for my praise and my glory. And there should be an identifying in every one of us of our allegiance and our loyalty to Christ. You know, the, the Lord speaks a in the uh, seventh chapter of the book of Matthew in the Sermon of the Mount. <clears throat> he says... Where a man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on this earth. Lay up, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and not on this earth. Now that's a command of Jesus Christ. That he is, he is your treasure. At the right hand of God are pleasures evermore. Who's there, y'all? Who's at the right hand of God? It is Christ. There is the pleasures for every born again child of God. So Christ says you lay up your treasures in heaven because wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be. And a man's heart is exposed. It's an open book to God. So the Son of God says, you cannot serve God and this world. He says you're going to love the one and hate the other. A man cannot serve two masters. You, you, you and I all have a master. Jesus Christ says he that sinneth is the servant of sin. That means sin is his master. 
Know ye not, Paul says, to whom you yield yourselves servants, his servants you become. Now, if the Lord is your treasure, then that's where your heart will be. Mine too. That, listen, I struggle with this too. You, say, you know, preachers are not, <laughs> we're not exempt from sin. We're not exempt from temptation. And there is no temptation that has overtaken you, Paul said, what is, but what is common to men. All men. You know, a, a minister of the gospel has no privileges that you, that you don't have. I have no special powers. I have nothing that you don't have other than a gift to preach if, 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 if God has called me to do so. And to preach the heart of God, I am commanded to do. And so if I preach the heart of God, then I have to preach everything that God commands me to preach. And, and I, I, you know, I, it's, it's not very fitting for a preacher to preach something and do something else. You know, that, that wouldn't be good. That would, you know, the, the Lord warned his disciples of another doctrine from a group of people called the Pharisees. He says, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, is, a, is a serious problem. Now, it, which goes to show you that God's disciples, His own disciples, he would, Christ would not have to warn His disciples of something if they were not able to fall into it. The, you know, there, there are so many deceptions in this world. There are so many doctrines. And, and you and I have one. Now, I'm not, what I'm saying is, there is a teaching that you and I go by, that we live by. There is a rule that we live by. If the rule is God, then we live by God's doctrine. But if it's something you get off the television, if some, if some doctor of such and such says, you know, this is the way that, uh, that, that mankind ought to do, and this is the way you ought to teach, this is... These things are okay, you know. Uh, uh, you know, folks. I remember listening to a uh, to a sermon. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of his name. Let's hang on just a second. It, it, he's not a primitive Baptist. Um, anyway, he preached in that big church in Memphis, the First Baptist. Somebody will say his name. I can. I would love it because it will remind me who it is. But uh, anyways, he, he's one of the better practical teachers I've ever heard outside the old Baptist. I was listening to him on the radio and uh, <clears throat> and he was talking about indoctrination of, uh, of, of teaching things and the authority that that comes from. When people put enough stock in science, when people put enough stock in politicians, in entertainers, when they put enough stock in, in uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors, they're going to listen to those people. Let their words be so contrary to God himself, they're going to listen to those people. Now, if their words are not contrary to God, that's different. 
And there was a part of it he, he, he mentioned in there, and, 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 uh, and he said, and, and they have been indoctrinating us and our children to not feel guilty for sin. I mean, just, why do you feel guilty? Why would you want to feel guilty? There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, that, that is an indoctrination. It is a teaching that is influencing our lives. Let it be so contrary to the Word of God. All right? So, uh, so we see, let's get back here. So we see God, we see the Father telling, I'm going to raise, probably put my words in his mouth. Listen, the Son of God says in, in, uh, in, in uh, John chapter uh, 12, the words that I speak, he says, are not my own, but they are my Father's. And then he says concerning the Holy Ghost, when, he, when Christ was to descend, go back to heaven, or ascend back into heaven, he says, my Father will send you what? The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. He shall speak. My words. There is no contradiction between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost in the things that, that are spoken. Now, God the Holy Ghost and the, and the Spirit of God is the dispensation and age that we live under right now. So that the Spirit of God has, has revealed and, and unveiled and shown us the very things that God has, the very things that Christ has spoke or the Father or the Son, the same things that the Spirit of God teaches. If somebody teaches from that Spirit, it's not going to contradict the Son of God or the Father. Do you all understand that? So if a preacher teaches you something, that in the Bible you look and you say, this, this ain't right. You know, I, I see something different in this. Well, he's probably not right. <laughs> all right, because this, this is important for the for the for the uh, for the growth of a church and for the health of a church. Now, in the uh, let's say in the book in the Second Timothy concerning concerning the doctrine of God. Now, now remember, God's doctrine is perfect and it's for converting the soul. It is to it is to set me and you any child of God. In the will of God. To convert us to the, the, the words and the ways of Christ. Uh, all things that God has for his people are for the glory of God and for the, and for the good of the people. For good of the church. Uh, <clears throat> now, for 13 years, the Apostle Paul have been preaching with this man. We first get introduced to Timothy in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And there was a disciple named Timothy. There's where, there's where Timothy came about, about A.D. 53. This is in A.D. 66. We're looking at 13 years. The Apostle Paul has been preaching with this brother, has been going to church, has been listening to him preach. This is, this is, he is the father of the ministry of this brother. All right, this, this young man's important to the Apostle Paul. The last words that Paul teaches him and charges him with is a warning about mankind. 
The fourth chapter of 2 Timothy, now he, Paul goes on with some salutations and things like that, but this is the last charge. This, in other words, when Timothy would read his letter, when he get to the end, this is what he would always see. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick or the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Now, now sometimes preachers, when they preach the word, you know, uh, I remember uh, Brother Paul Blair telling me when Elder T.L. Webb delivered his charge. He said, Brother Paul, as a young preacher, they're going to love you because what you're going to preach to them is basically sovereign grace. You're going to preach how Christ died. They're going to love you. Brother Paul, he said, but when you get to be a middle-aged preacher, they'll probably just tolerate you because you'll start seeing more points of discipleship and of what we owe God. He said, when you get to be an old preacher, oh, I think the word was they, they might massacre, massacre you because then you're a well-rounded preacher. Because most, most, most ministers, most preachers, when they start out, they start out in that doctrine of grace, and it is good to hear. And then, they, and then as they read and study, they find out more about the doctrine, doctrines of discipleship, uh, about, the, about, about the doctrines of, of obedience. And... Uh, you know, God told Jeremiah and he told Ezekiel certain things. He, he told them, when you go with my words, he says, you tell them, you preach to them, but don't you be afraid of their faces. I've heard preachers, they, they have told me that as they were preaching something, a, uh, a sister... <laughs> One preacher was preaching something and a sister just took her nail file out, put her fingernails up like that and started filing just right in front of him. He said, I was preaching a, a, a practical, you know, a, a disciple uh, 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 sermon and she just started filing her nails. <laughs> One preacher was preaching and looked out and, and the congregations were, he said, some of them were looking at their phone, the others were looking at books, the others were looking at wind. He said, I, I walked straight out the door and I walked home. He said, Brother Kevin, I wouldn't suggest you do that. <laughs> well, it'd be a long walk for me. I can't walk home. Uh, there was one, uh, another preacher told me recently. He said, I was preaching in a church that I had been going to for about four years. And he said, I was preaching one, one Sunday morning, and I came across the subject of, of, of abortion being a sin. He said, there were about five sisters in that church that got up and walked out on me. And they never invited me back. You can preach. And it may not go well. God says don't be afraid of their faces. Because they may, they may get cross. They may look at you. They may file their nails. They, they, you know, they, they, they may get mad. It is never the intention of the ministry to make the congregation mad. It never should be. My intention has never been to make anybody mad. 
but I still must preach the word. So Paul tells Timothy, the last thing, this is my charge to you, you preach God's word until the day you die or you can't preach anymore. You be instant in season, out of season. You reprove and you rebuke and you exhort. You do this with all long-suffering and you do it with doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Don't mean it. They said don't, don't say they won't endure a doctrine. Eventually, people get to the point where they will go somewhere as long as somebody tells them what they want to hear. That's what Paul is saying here. There's going to time. The time's going to come when when they won't endure sound doctrine. God's doctrine, whether it is about the salvation of Christ or whether it is about discipleship or all the things in between, about how husbands treat their wives and wives treat their husbands. Uh, uh, even over, Let's skip over the book of Titus right quick. Let's look, look here. This is what Paul tells another young minister. He says, Speak thou the things, this is the second chapter, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now listen, that the aged men in the church... That your minds be sober. You be sober-minded, that you be grave and you be temperate. You be sound in the faith. You be sound in charity. You be sound in patience. That's sound doctrine. The aged women, that they be in behavior as becoming holiness. That you behave like a child of God. If you're an older woman in the church, you behave like a child of God. Not false accusers. Not given too much wine. That is, you not to be drunk. This is sound doctrine. But teachers are good things. That you may teach the young women in the church to be sober-minded, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, not flamboyant, discreet. That they be chaste. That they keepers of their home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Do you think this would fly today? In this world, if, it, if, if you know, this, this would not be a very good uh, a talking point in any venue today. But yet it is sound doctrine. That the, but notice this, that you be obedient to your, own, to your own husbands. Why? What is the ultimate goal? It is that the word of God is not blasphemed. God has a, he has a, uh, uh, a care for his own name and his own word. And, and sometimes we live and we teach doctrines that are blasphemous to God's Word. Sometimes we just accept it. If it, if it sounds good, if it, you know, if it's a, and I'm not saying us, I say we. I'm talking about mankind, but, but God's children, sometimes they just will, <laughs> will listen to something because everybody else is doing it. Surely it's the way we ought to do things now. And there will be somebody do not, do not worry. It could be somebody in your, a, a good friend of yours that can take a scripture and twist it just enough to make you deny a hundred other scriptures that teach opposite of that. If that's what you want to hear. Sound doctrine, Paul says to Timothy... 
And he says to Titus, is vital. And you preach it because eventually, because, you know, if, if you don't preach it, then how are they going to know it? If they don't know it, and, 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 you know, you're just an old free grace preacher and that's all you ever hear. You know, that's, that's not what you should always want to hear from your preacher. Now, I want to preach free grace. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I believe in the doctrine of, of predestination and election. Uh, you know, that, those things are, 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 are set and, and firm in me. But that ought to be the cause of my discipleship. That ought to be the cause of my keeping sound doctrine. And not an excuse for not. You know, the, uh, <clears throat> the teachers, now, because Paul said they will heap to themselves teachers, plural. They won't get it all from one area. They might get a little bit from a friend, a little bit from the television. Their mama might tell them something uh, because it's mama. You know, mama's not going to tell the child anything that the child uh, you know that 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 might that might make the child a better disciple. Well, your mama might tell you just what you want to hear. I'm not saying mama does that. I'm just I'm, I said that. Uh, but but the source can come from a lot of places, and it may not be sound doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they after their own lust will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned to fables. That is lies. Because it's, you know, lies are easy to, uh, easy to believe if that's what you want to hear. If... Uh, <laughs> If there's some desire in the in the kingdom of God in the church, just let's just say there, let's just say that there is a uh, this, my time's about up. <clears throat> that there's a scripture in here that that would might indicate that there was a woman that was a prophet years ago, and there was. I mean, any good Bible reader knows that. You you, you know, there was a couple of of, of prophetess prophetess there were women <clears throat> and then somebody says okay you see there women can be preachers now let the word of God be so specific that that is untrue but yet if you want it to be true you can twist that scripture so far out of joint that a woman can be ordained to the ministry, which is completely a, a, a falsehood. Does that mean women have no place in the church? Lord, forgive us for even thinking that. <laughs> I mean, I you know, women when I when I go to preach places, uh, <laughs> women make up the majority of the ones that are there. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for the sisters in the church, 
Uh, friends, I don't, the old Baptist be in trouble. You know, the uh, they you know they're kind of like the you know the, the 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 glue that keeps most of it all together. But they can't. They are not called to that office. That is an office God calls men to, and that's God business. Now that should not offend any woman. A woman should never be offended in that God calls a man to preach and does not call a woman to preach. She should just endure it. And thank God that God even calls a man to preach. And has and, and God has set up a ministry. Uh, there are folks who believe that you just have to sprinkle instead of baptize. I mean, they just, they'll just they'll take a little water out of here, put it on their fingers, and, 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 and do like this and call it baptism. Let the Bible be so specific that baptism, in its own meaning, it means immersion. I don't think Christ was just merely sprinkled with my, our sins. Do you? I think he was immersed with it. Um, you know, we could we could go on and on and on of the of the deception that people want to hear, and they'll find somebody to tell them that, and they'll 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 eventually they'll say, hey, well, so and so told me that it's got to be true, and I like the way that sounds. That that keeps me, you know, from 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 going into the to the uh, fully into the liquid grave. I might have a fear of water. Don't worry, we can get you in a shallow area. Put you under and get you up, and you will you will be. I'll get it. I'll get as much help. I'll get Bubba back there and 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 Cole and Ethan and there. We'll have hands on anybody. And I've had that. Uh, Sister Jackie was scared. Sister Joanne Rice, she's terrified of water. One of the reasons she says she ain't never been baptized, terrified of water. I told her, it don't matter. We'll get you out of there. <laughs> You're not. We're not going to drown you. We're not going to let you go. We don't have to go to the. We don't even have to go to the uh, to the river. We got you know got people with swimming pools. But we have to go under. It is a commandment of Christ. It is a representation of his of his death and his burial and resurrection. There are some folks who says there's no way in the world. I am going to use wine in communion. That will taint my reputation. When wine is the emblem of Christ's blood in the Bible. And unleavened bread is the emblem of his body. We have no right to change things like that. This this is all sound doctrine, y'all. Every bit of it. Oh, if if the if the Lord's people now remember if 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 the Lord's people if their souls are going to be converted, I mean I mean their loyalty, their belief, their faith, their practice, everything concerning this kingdom that Christ set upon this earth to be like it is, to which the ministry is a gift to. If the Lord's people are going to keep that perfect doctrine, 
You've got to know about it. before you. Remember, God said, I will give them pastors after my own heart that shall feed them understanding and feed them knowledge. It is my job to feed you understanding and knowledge. It's your job to come listen. It is your job to eat it, to drink it. It is the same God that commands me to do one and you to do the other. It is the same God that commands you to take your cross and follow the Lord in baptism. That commands me to preach that. The theme will never change because God never changes. It is us that must adhere to the sound doctrines and not be blown away, carried away with every wind. There's plenty of them out there. Whatever you want to hear to tickle our ears is there for us. You'll find somebody to tell you that. And God forbid that ever be done from the pulpit of the primitive Baptist church. I want you to pray for your pastor. You please pray for me. Um, I said in the beginning, you know, as a, as, a, as a minister, I have to look and see how far along. Are, are, they, are they advancing under my ministry? Are they, are they gaining ground? Are they becoming greater disciples and, and, and greater knowledge of Christ? And I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, and I tell you every year, and I mean this every year, when you and you choose me for your pastor again this year, if you would benefit under the sound of another gospel minister more than me, do not think because we're mainly, you know, we're family here. That's not why I serve my God because of you're my family. I'm my natural family. You're my, you're my spiritual family too. If, if I get upset because you want to hear something, because you feel like somebody would, would be better for you to bring you up and make you more of the fullness of the stature of the, of the body of Jesus Christ and you would be a better disciple, a better servant, and often just don't do it for me, please, Please get somebody that will. Because, because my goal and their goal is the same. I'm not in competition with them. And I may be needed somebody for somewhere else. I don't know that. You know, I, I feel my, as a pastor, I feel like a failure. I'll just be honest with you a lot of times. Uh, Brother Hunt told me one time, Brother Kevin, I, I, I was a, greater pre, a better preacher than I was a pastor. I feel that way about myself. And I'm not even sure how good of a preacher I am. But just remember that whoever it is, they are for you. They are your gift that God gives you on this earth to feed you with knowledge and feed you with understanding. And, uh, and, and, and folks, it's a hard thing to be a minister of the gospel. It is, it is. It is difficult. Um, I, and I'm not making... I'm, listen, I'm not trying to, to try to stir up any kind of 
feeling sorry for Lofton. That, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, <clears throat> I'm out of water. <clears throat> My mouth's dry. It's time to quit. Uh, that it, it gets, it's, it's a difficult matter sometimes. And I want you to pray for me. You please pray for me. Because I, I do pray for you.